This is the Elk Hunt Podcast, home to everything elk hunting. I'm your host, Cody Rich. From fellow DIYers to elk hunting legends, we have elk hunting stories, tips, tactics, and more to get you pumped for elk season. Join us every week for great elk hunting content. Alrighty, Mike, welcome to the podcast, man. We just like, we had all this event trying to get you on, but we, we did it. We're here. We're having a podcast. Technical difficulties, but we overcame. <laughs> For sure, dude. Well, uh, first off, congrats. Like, uh, you killed a stud. I was, I didn't want to say this before the podcast, but I'm like, you know, elk hunting is pretty much ruined. You can just stop now. Cause if you like, you kill your first bull and it's a giant, you just hang your hat and go home. Cause it doesn't get better. Right. Like, how do you, how do you like one up that? I mean, you are definitely not the first person that has said <laughs> pretty much those exact same words to me. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I wasn't looking for a giant. So, the fact that I just happened to to find a, a real big one just kind of adds to the whole story for me. Um, it's funny, man, because I I kind of got into it thinking like, oh, I'm just I'm just doing this to put meat on the table. <laughs> and I've been listening to some of your podcasts recently, and you know, like you've said in, in several of them, it's like, oh, that's a good place to start, right? And uh, I mean, I've been doing it, you know, less than a year at this point, but I feel like my thought process has already evolved quite a bit from that <laughs> and like i don't and, uh, i don't want to say anything yeah. bad about like like hunting for me or whatever like I, I eat nothing but elk like i just am fortunate that you know i live in a state where we can do that pretty easily and like i, I just think like things things always evolve like you know you get into something for one reason and then 20 years down the line if you think you're going to be in it for the same reason like that's pretty naive to be like oh yeah you know like you could take painting for example like people who get into like painting or drawing or whatever like you first get into it you're like oh just looking for a hobby and like the reasons evolve and change and so like i don't i don't want to like come off as like i'm better than that or at all it's just like it, it evolves right over time and like your your obsession with this thing is going to evolve and i'm sure you see it already just in a year you're like uh yeah what i the reason i said let's do this on day one even now you, i'm sure you're like you get a, just a a peek behind the curtain of like how expansive elk hunting can be Oh man, I'm just starting to touch the surface and like starting to figure out how little I actually know. And I'm, I mean, and I feel like I'm a sponge. I do a lot of landscape work. I do concrete stuff. Um, and I pretty much listen to elk hunting podcasts 24 hours. I mean, we'll say 12 hours a day. Right. And, uh, what made yeah, you want to get into it in the beginning? Like what was like the the impetus you like to, to get into elk hunting? So I didn't grow up in a hunting family. Um, I mean, I, you know, grew up in a family that definitely is a gun family. I would say we'd go, you know, family reunions, we'd go do big shoot-offs in the desert and whatnot. Um, but I moved into a van back in 2019 to to travel and kind of chase rock climbing around the country. And uh, I was in Flagstaff and bought a mushroom, a wild mushroom hunting guidebook. And I was out on uh what is it Humphreys Peak out in Flagstaff and I was hiking around with my dog and heard an elk bugling like all day and on the way back to the van it's getting close to nightfall he starts bugling again and you know I've watched hunting videos like here and there throughout my life and I just kind of threw some like muse at him like I had my I had the coolest dog in the world for a long time and uh had him sit in the trail I ducked down in the trail and just started making some what I thought you know cow elk might sound like at him and, you know, a few minutes later, we're hearing branches crashing. We're hearing antlers hit trees. 
And this bull comes out at probably 60 or 70 yards, something like that. And rips a bugle right at my, I mean, you know, from 60 yards, like right at my face. And uh, we just sat there silently, my dog and I, and then he ended up going circling upwind of us, catching our wind and just crashing off through the bushes. And then uh, I was just kind of sitting there reveling in how epic that was. My first, I mean, I'd seen elk like from a car, but my first ever real elk experience. And uh, sitting there in the trail and maybe two minutes max, uh, my dog, who had been sitting here silent, who has been around wildlife his whole life, stood up and I looked down the trail and his hackles are up and he starts growling. And there's a big male mountain lion standing probably at 100 yards in the trail where that elk had crossed to wind us. No way. And so I don't know if my muse, my muse called him in or if he was already following that bull or whatever, but... Um, it was a it was a nerve wracking like thirty five minutes back to the van that evening for sure. <laughs> Dude, that's a wild experience. Uh, yeah, your first time. Like, I, I feel like you know people will get into elk hunting and it takes them like a year or two years to like have that experience where they like, call on an elk and it bugles in their face. Like that. It's interesting that that was the inverse. Like you were just by yourself, which is totally different. Like even if you went with a buddy and they they called in an elk, it's like oh that was cool. But to do it yourself, like get that that's the feeling that people get hooked to. So I could totally see how you're like, Oh, I got to try this whole elk hunting thing. I mean, the, the focus definitely shifted once I realized that was also my first mountain lion encounter in the woods. So that kind of shifted away from the elk there for a little while, but, um, it was a trip, man. And I remember thinking how cool it'd be specifically to have a bow in hand. Like the thought of having a rifle never even crossed my mind. And, and then it would have been in 2022. I was in Wyoming up in the Bighorns and uh, <laughs> was out shed hunting and heard a bull bugle, like lazy mid-afternoon bugle kind of in the area and thought I'd pinpointed a patch of timber he came from and ran over there and um, ended up, I've got one bar of service on my phone and I can pull up YouTube and I've got my hands cupped around the speaker of my phone playing videos of bulls bugling. <laughs> and this bull was like uh, he I didn't even think he'd be able to he'd be able to hear it man but he comes charging up the hill he's covered in mud he's dripping wet he was obviously in a wallow and I've got a video of that one and he comes and I'm wearing I mean a bright blue shirt I don't even own a piece of camo yet at this point and I'm standing right next to a tree and he just comes up and kind of stares at me and looks around and looks at me again and comes to like 30 yards maybe slightly closer and then spooks a little bit and runs to like maybe 45 yards and then turns and just stands broadside staring at me for like a minute. And again, I was just like, man, I need, I need a bow. Like I need a bow. This episode of the Elk Hunt Podcast is brought to you by Initial Ascent Packs. Initial Ascent makes great packs and their carbon fiber triaxle frame system handles weight really well. I personally haven't got to use one of these packs yet, but if you look at the reviews, <coughs> people are in love with them. And I know my good buddy Zach Bohe and Ryan Lampers absolutely love these packs because they, they handle a heavy load really, really well. They're perfect for packing out big elk. And this month for our gear giveaway on the Elk Hunt channel, we're giving away a initial ascent IA 4K pack system to one of the Elk Hunt members. So if you're not a member yet, get on it, get signed up, and you'll actually be entered to win in every single month or every single drawing we do we're doing them once a month and last month there was only eight entries so if you're not yet uh i suggest getting signed up the odds are really good and we're giving away a really sweet pack this is a 4600 cubic inch 
pack. So it's great for four days, seven days, easily do a week on this pack. And it's light enough that you can kind of use it on a day-to-day -day hunt as well. So if you're in the market for a new pack, check out Initial Ascent Packs. And if you want to win one, be sure to get entered into this month's giveaway. I feel like this is the elk gods just giving you a sign, dude. It's like, hey, you should pick up elk hunting. For those two experiences to happen, that's wild. So like at that point, you're like, okay, I'm going to go hunting or like what, what crosses your mind? Like, how did you go from that to like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I'd had a buddy tell me a handful of years ago, um, he's actually up in the Bitterroots um, and he, I've fly fished with him. I've been a fly fisherman for a long time. And he was like, dude, I can't believe you're not into hunting. Like bow hunting and fly fishing have so many close parallels. Like you got to try bow hunting. You're going to dig it. And so I had those words from him, those two elk encounters. And then um, I had traveled to a little town in Wyoming called Ten Sleep um, for the summer specifically to rock climb. But a week before I got there, I exploded a tendon in my finger and wasn't able to rock climb for like five months. And so I'd already committed to a job out there and didn't want to bail on that. And so I just shed hunted hard, like, less hard now that I realize what hard is but in hindsight like at the time <laughs> I thought it was really hard right and put in like you know over the summer like 250 miles maybe something like that and found my first four elk antlers and like maybe 20 some like small deer sheds nice and uh just kind of got stoked man I was like I think I want to I want to get into this I want to try it like and then it was actually that fall after shed hunting all summer that I had that uh Wyoming elk encounter with pulling up youtube and whatnot so so once yeah. you like dove into this like were you just did you have a mentor did you have anyone to look to or were you just like uh you know the the youtube mentor or the mentor of youtube dude youtube university is uh <laughs> it's super cost effective right and uh you can learn anything you want to learn on there the podcast world and youtube i mean yeah, listening to a ton of like, you know, Remy and Corey Jacobson, Randy Newberg, all those, you know, big names. Um, yeah. All so you went, you go, so you go buy a boat. Did you, like, where did you get, where did you get your first tag? Like, how did you, like, all of it, like, so many questions, but like, how did you go from, you know, oh, I called this elk, I decide to like, okay, now I'm in the woods. Like, what was the journey there? So I, I've been living in my van, it's been five years now, full time. Um, just kind of chasing rock climbing around with the seasons and some fly fishing, chasing bug hatches. Um, and now but I'm a New Mexico resident. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bug hatches and bugles now. And New Mexico resident. I was born and raised here and just figured like I wanted to try archery. So I bought a bow last February and I've got some shoulder issues. I used to race downhill mountain biking and I've got a bunch of dislocations and all kinds of stuff going on. So I wasn't even sure that I'd be able to shoot a bow realistically. So I bought kind of a lower end bow, um, put a lot of arrows, like a whole string's worth of arrows through it. <laughs> Decided I was stoked, uh, put in for the New Mexico lottery. And I mean, just got super lucky as one does with the lottery state like that. And uh, drew wow. a pretty coveted helo tag. Oh, no way. <laughs> Dude, I feel like the yep. L gods are just handing you. Like, people are going to be mad about this because it was, like, so easy for you. Like, like I whistled and this elk came. So I decided I'd pick up bow hunting. I put in New Mexico and the hardest tag and I got, you know, that. You know, <laughs> this is wild. Literally. I mean, I 
let's see. So I bought the bow. I happened to wake up one morning and jump on Facebook. I'm part of like a Southern New Mexico rock climbers group and just was scrolling. And I saw a post that was like, Hey, I'm not a rock climber. I'm a hunting guide. I have some out of state clients in Deming who shot an Ibex up in the Florida mountains and it's cliffed out and we can't get to it. Wondering if any of you rock climbers would be down to help. And it was posted like two minutes before I got on there. Oh, nice. No responses <laughs> yet. And I was like, Oh, I'm thinking about getting into hunting. This could be like a perfect in. And so I respond to it, link up with this dude. He's a hunting guide here in New Mexico. Um, go out there and join on this Ibex adventure. Okay, I gotta hear this and... story because that's almost far more interesting than the elk story. So, like, I I know I know the hunt. I know the situation. I've had a lot of buddies do it. Yeah, same thing. You almost got to be a rock climber. In fact, uh, dudes have told me like the way to do this hunt is actually to rappel down. Uh, so like just latch up on top and rappel down because like those goats don't expect it or whatever. And like you could totally get archery shot. So I have so many questions now. Like let's like sidebar into the the Florida the is it Floridian mountains. The Floridas. Florida mountains. Yeah. Like I want to hear that story. What happens? So the guy shot it and it just so, fell into super anticlimactic as far as I'm concerned. For those guys, they had an epic adventure. Right. Um so I'm in a town that's like maybe an hour and 45 minutes or maybe two hours driving a giant van uh from Deming. And so in the amount of time that it took me to connect with the dude get my life straightened up and whatnot. And then like hit the road and get over there. He'd like bombed down to Crucis because somebody else had responded that they didn't want to go on it, but they'd be willing to lend him a climbing rope. Oh, picked up a climbing rope, went back. Those dudes. I mean, it sounded epic, man. Like they said that almost like I've heard wolves and grizzly bears key on, on like gunshots. They said it seemed like that with Eagles. Like they shot this thing way up in the cliffs and there was golden Eagles literally eating it within minutes that's why and so they got a rope these guys went up uh he called me and said they were just going to go for it when i was like 30 minutes out and i was like well that sounds sketchy so i'm gonna <laughs> come out anyway and you know if they don't need me cool maybe i can make some connections and if i need to be here for rescue duty then like great i'll be here for rescue duty right and so i just hung out at camp with a like you know big old 60 power spotter and watched those guys do what looked like some pretty sketchy shenanigans up in the cliffs but yeah they shot it it dropped onto a ledge maybe 80 feet from the top and like you know 200 feet from the bottom oh <laughs> and they got to it got it down came back to camp uh, a bunch of really cool dudes from like southern colorado and one of the guys actually lives technically in new mexico but just by a couple miles right, right. and uh hung out with them one of those guys ended up actually helping me out with the draw and kind of giving me some strategy as far as what units to apply for and kind of how to go about it. Um, and then I shed hunted with the guide, uh, I'd say March through all of March and probably halfway into April. Just anytime we're out cruising around in a side-by-side bugging him with elk hunting questions. And I mean, to the point that I think I eventually just like was bothering him literally and he kind of snapped <laughs> at me. And he's like, dude, people overcomplicate it. He's like, you kind of just need to run in there and kill them. It's like, oh, all right, cool. Heard that. Run in there and kill them. Yeah. Which is great advice, honestly. I think that, you know, we look at YouTube, the, you know, University of YouTube or whatever, there's so much information. And they're like, there's so much like 
you could do this. You could listen to Rocky. Here's how, or, yeah, uh, yeah. You could listen to Rocky. Here's how he does it. You could listen to Jason Phelps. Here's how he does it. You can listen to Remy. Here's how he does it. And the problem people get is they get like too many strategies mixed into their head. And then they're like trying to do a little bit of everything and they don't do anything very well. Right. And so it's like, you need to just kind of to some degree, don't overthink it. Just run in and kill them. It's great. It's, it's pretty sound advice. Checks out. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, at the time I was kind of like, oh, my bad. Like, I'm not going to push anymore. We'll just go shit hunting and walk around. But, um, yeah. and then I watched him do it. So, um, I picked up that bow mid April. I decided I was going to go into the wilderness, um, and just do some shed hunting. Cause I've, I mean, I grew up in Albuquerque, but man, I was a punk growing up. Like, uh, I've always been outdoorsy, but, like I was a punk growing up and so I've never <laughs> spent time backpacked into the Gila you know I moved out right. of New Mexico as soon as I could um so I went in with the goal of hoping to find some sheds and just look around check out some you know cliff dwellings things like that um ended up finding a bunch of antler ended up finding almost 25 pounds of trash that had been left in there either by a previous falls hunting party or maybe an early spring shed hunting group um, but packed out, like literally strapped a 40 gallon blue, like horse packing bucket onto my pack full of all their trash and hiked that out of wilderness. And like, dude, I just got so psyched. Yeah. Like, just got so psyched. And so while I was in there, the last day that I was in there, I'd planned it to the day the draw results come out was the day that I'd be coming back and like get into service and be able to check my email and came out of there and saw that I'd drawn a wilderness tag where I was just in. Were you just and so then, stoked? Like, what goes through your head when you like you like successful? Oh, dude, I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. Like, <laughs> like I, I mean, I double checked the hunt code. I double checked what things I put in for, and I'm like, no shit, like that happened. <laughs> and uh, hit up hit up my my guide friend, and he was like, oh, and I so I drew a second archery tag too, which is even more primo. Um, hit up my guide buddy, and he was like, oh, I drew I drew wilderness first archery hunt nice golden dude he's like i'd you know like sick let's go hunting together and like you just hunt the whole month and i was like that sounds exactly like the best thing i could ask for (laughs) and so i'm in a pretty unique situation i live in a van and i can kind of travel and do essentially whatever i want to do as long as i can pay insurance and phone bill yeah and so i moved to the nearest town to that unit and got a job at a brewery there for the summer uh, May through end of August. And man, I just hit it super hard. Worked three days a week and I'd spend four days a week out. Like as soon as I get off work, hit the grocery store, jump in the van, strap the motorcycle on the back, go to the most reasonable trailhead that I could get the van to, and then just take the motorcycle the rest of the way. Dude, I um, bet you spent so much time in there. Like what like what were you trying to learn and what did you learn? So in, in like this, you know, you fairly new to it. I mean, obviously you have a ton of experience, just like, you know, rock climbing to go on stuff, but like, what were you going into? Like, I just want to be around it. and want to figure it out. Like, what were you trying to figure out? And then like, what was the biggest takeaway from scouting that much? Um, as far as what I was trying to learn, I mean, like everything, literally as much as I possibly could, I wanted to learn you know, based on picking up sheds, where in that country elk are wintering, I'm looking at rubs to see where I'm seeing the most like previous year's rut action, any either with water water or dried up wallows, like anything I can find that says there's been elk here, 
Um, and then also it kind of got to a point where I'm very confident that I could have killed a bull with the bow that I bought, but I just decided that, you know, once you get more into things, you kind of, or at least right. once I get more into things, I generally want to upgrade. And like, I don't, if I think something's worth my time, I generally don't half-ass many things <laughs> right. in my life. So like, you know, I decided I'm going to be stoked on bow hunting. I'm probably not just going to do it for one year. So like, let's go buy a nice bow. And I'm probably also in a different financial situation than a lot of hunters in that, like, it's changing now. But in the past couple of years, like, I've pretty much just worked to be able to take time off and travel for rock climbing. Yeah. You know, work five to six months out of the year and then take, like, five to six months of the year off. That's wild. And so, like, the idea of going and dropping, you know, $1,500 plus dollars on a bow setup was kind of daunting to me. And so in addition to trying to find elk and just look at what elk habitat looks like and where they're hanging out and how far off trails they are. Like I was trying to pick up as much antler as I could physically pack out of that depth of the woods uh, <laughs> right. and trying to fund a bow build. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you find it with all three antlers? Uh, so man, I had a pretty ridiculous year. Um, I found 183 antlers this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, 122 of them were elk and then obviously some, some deer sheds thrown in there. Um, but I had a couple camp zones that were between, we'll say like 12 and 15 miles deep from the nearest trailheads. And I packed multiple hundred plus loads out of there. Oh my um, goodness. On my back. You need one of those little one wheel cart things. Oh dude, I need a friend is what I need. (laughs) (laughs) But, a uh, different hobby. I loved it. You know, everything on YouTube that I watched is like, you know, you can't train hard enough for packing out an elk. It's so burly when you've got quarters in your pack and you're stepping over down timber and all these things. And I was like, well, I'm going to pack the heaviest loads that I can, that I think I can literally pack out of here and just see like what I can pack. And so I did. I ended up, I mean, not just the bow, like, you don't realize how much money you sink into hunting until you're a new hunter starting to accumulate like all of the things at once. Right. Right. You know, so like camo is super expensive. Packs are expensive. Boots are expensive. Like all of the things are expensive. Arrows are expensive. Sights and rests and like just all the things. And so, yeah, man, I ended up, uh, I was able to fund uh, Garmin inreach a an exo mountain k4 pack uh 2023 hoyt vtm 34 flagship with like a top of the line spot hog site and all the bells and whistles nice and and then as far as camo i mean i've got you know i've been an outdoorsman for a long time so i've got all the layers the wool the down it's just all like bright blue and red and green honestly it probably and so i just thought like I just bought camo sun shirts, just like yeah, yeah. super light camo sun shirts that are generally like, you know, 70, 80 bucks. Yeah. And just a size bigger than I typically do. So it'd fit over a down jacket if it was cold. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, funded everything. Was able to do the whole bow build, sold a bunch of antler, kept a bunch of antlers still because I want to start doing some art projects with them. But um, yeah, it turned out way, way more insane than I ever imagined it could have been. Right. Dude, so you, you're out there all summer. You get, I'm sure you start to figure it out, start to find the herds, start to see big bulls. Like, am, are you getting stoked? Like, is, you know, what's the stoke level by the before season, but by the end of summer? 
Oh man, by the end of the summer, like I've got probably 15 different groups of cows that I've got a pretty solid idea of like generally what drainages they'll be in. They might be in the top or the bottom or like on a side hill, but they'll be in there. Yeah. I've got like countless springs that aren't listed on Onyx anywhere. You know, I've got literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of pins dropped around the unit. Like I've got cameras on wallows. And so I'm stoked, man. Like I'm, I've got, you know, pictures and videos of like 20 deep groups of bulls in velvet that are already like big bulls. And uh, yeah, I'm psyched, man. So with that much data, with that much data before going into season, had you, did you change your perspective on like, I'm shooting the first, you know, legal bull or is it, you know, where was your mind at before the season started, but you had all of this information. I feel like, man, if I had just the unit absolute dialed, been in there for 60 plus days, I'm probably going to be like, man, I don't know. Maybe I should just hold out for a six point. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely had ideals like uh, the tag that I had is an either sex tag. And I had told myself loosely that I would like my only goal was I just wanted to find a mature bull. Like I wasn't looking for a giant and I would probably have rather shot a cow than like a spike or a raghorn. Like my one goal was just like, I've had this Flagstaff experience and this Wyoming experience. And that is specifically why I'm like psyched on this. And so that is the September experience that I wanted. Right, right, right. Um, And so I had some ideals, like I'd packed in so deep. I found all these horse camps with like tie beams and trees. I'm like, oh, this is where the guides obviously bring outfitter camps. Like this is clear to me that this is maybe a little bit deeper than I should be looking to hike my first elk out of. (laughs) And uh, so my buddy, my guide buddy who'd drawn the first tag, he lives a handful hours further away than where I was at. And so he just kind of left it. He's like, dude, you know, I'll give you some cameras. You've got a few cameras. Go put them out and like, you know, find the elk and we'll go hunt them. And then mid-July, he sent me a picture of an x-ray scan, and it was a broken ankle because no. he'd been playing softball and broke his ankle. God damn softball. This is why we don't play and in I mean, like, adult league. Dude, like drunk softball too, you know, just yeah. like all the things. that You're like, what are you thinking? It's almost hunting season. Like, bro. Right. right. <laughs> and so I just based on like the things that I'm – watching on youtube and the general personality type that i am like i've kind of singled out and like found hunting personalities if you will that i think their style would probably line up with like what i envision as my style mm-hmm. and uh it's not truck hunting and it's not sitting wallows but like with a dude with a broken ankle like that kind of changes the idea of going deep into the backcountry. right right and so i started looking up videos like you know, frontal videos mostly because I'm like, I'm going to end up solo. Like, this is going to be a little bit different than I envisioned. Like, I need to have as much knowledge as one can build off of YouTube as far as like quartering and, you know, cutting an elk up. And then also, like, if I'm going to be calling, I'm probably going to end up with a frontal. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people have a lot of feelings on that, but I was just like, I wanted to be prepared in the events that that happened. You know what's funny about that? I never have I ever taken a frontal and I hunt solo 99.9% of the time. Like no one has ever called a yeah. bullet for me and I've never taken a frontal. It's like people say this all the time. I'm like it's never really happened. I know like I've been there when other people have taken frontals. I've called bulls in and people have taken frontals. 
I have no problem with it. Like I just don't even have enough data, but I've never had to take one. And people are always like, well, if you're solo, you're going to have to have a frontal shot. I'm like, it's never happened to me. Not once. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's clear just by looking at all of the videos that are out there available. Like it's not a super common thing, but it definitely seems like it's something that I was like, well, I don't know the anatomy. Right. Cause I've not cut one up. And so like, you know, elk 101, and then especially the born and raised guys have a couple like really good videos on like while they're actually cutting up an elk and like show that opening and kind of how big it is, what size it is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so he hit me up, he broke his ankle. And so I shifted my focus. I don't know if you're familiar with that area at all, but it's a giant unit. Like it's yeah. massive. It incorporates anything from like, you know, 10, seven peaks down to like juniper, lowland, no water except for tanks. Right. Um, but in that low juniper land, there's like a road that runs through the whole wilderness area and there's tanks all over it. And I was like, well, he's going to still try to hunt. I uh, don't think we're going to backpack in for his hunt for sure. Right. So I shifted focus, put a bunch of miles in down there, put a bunch of cameras out. And then, uh, yeah, that's where we ended up hunting for first archery hunt. September 1, he shot a bull in there um, on the 5th, I believe. Which honestly, I mean, like, so uh, shoot, was it 2019? I want to say 2019, One of we did a, a hunt giveaway. And uh, one of my Patreon members drew that tag. We actually weren't planning on going there. It was like, I told him to put in for, you know, the Gila just in case. And like, he comes back and he's like, oh, it's successful. And he gives me the hunt code. And I was like, oh no, he screwed. Like what, what hunt is that? It's like the wrong code. And uh, it was, it was the Gila. So we went and hunted the Gila together. Um, and so like, yeah, I've hunted there and it was super hot when we hunted. So like, honestly, like, the fr- I wouldn't say the front gosh, we were pretty, we were about six miles back um, on a tank that wasn't marked or whatever. But at the same time, like, you know, hunting tanks is kind of the game. So you talk like, oh, I want to go bugle. Man, it, that first week of September can be super dead. And like, you're kind of sitting tanks no matter what. Like, it's not fun, but that's kind of the game. I mean, especially when you have a dude that is, right. is struggling. You know, I mean, to his credit, he crushed it. Like, first day or two, I think because a he had like a very freshly healed broken ankle, but also because he'd basically just been sitting on the couch since he broke it, hoping it would right. heal up without stressing it. Right. So like you know, first two days I feel like he was hurting. Like we sat water because we needed to sit water. Right. Um. But man, he he champed it. Like we, it was man, it was, it was crazy. Like I've just. There were so many things I experienced in, I guess I ended up hunting like 21 days in September because his tag and mine. Um, yeah. It, yeah. There's a lot, lot learned from that whole situation. Like what, I mean, what was the biggest takeaway? Like, you know, one of the big takeaways that I've gathered, I just talked about this on a different podcast, but you know, in my early days, I wanted to just go, go, go. Like, I really thought like I could just outwork it. Like the problem was just, I had to work harder. Like, you know, and some of that was like, you know, I hunted very similar to what the born and raised guys do. And so it's like, you just cover more miles, you do more bugles. And that only works in certain places or times, you know, and like you, you look at that New Mexico hunt I was on, it was brutal it was 95 degrees in the middle of the day and like there's just nothing you can do and like you had these little short windows and 
I like we were on a, on a shooter bowl, a very big bowl, and so you couldn't really force the situation because you didn't want to blow him out of there. But he's using. We know he's like there's one tank, and so it's like you don't even want to be there that much. So you like got to just take the peak time and like go in the evening. So you're literally doing nothing. And it's the hardest thing in the world to just do nothing for like nine hours out of the day and sit water in the evening. And it's just like, ah, and then as the days go by, you get more antsy and you're like, I got to do something or go somewhere else, you know? But, and that's a little bit of like big bull hunting. It's like this one bull we're targeting. I can't screw it up because, you know, then I'll really be like, looking for a needle in the haystack. Um, and that was just kind of the, like the lessons I learned down in New Mexico. Like, what was your experience with like, I'm sure you watch YouTube, you expect this action packed, you know, adventure. And then early season New Mexico is like, nope, just sit still for a while. Well, I'd, I'd put in the large majority. I mean, I, between, between mid April and September 1st, I put in almost 620 miles on foot. That's wild. Like, like I went hard, hard. Um, <laughs> and I hadn't seen, I think I saw four bulls period at all in that low country in all of my walks down there versus like every walk or maybe every other walk, but like almost every walk up in the high country, like I was finding bulls and I was glassing them and I was sitting there eating lunch, watching them. And so the expectation definitely changed when I realized that we would be hunting lower right and dude like you said like it was 95 degrees it was like suffocatingly hot the elk would you might get a couple bugles pre-sunrise well before shooting hours and then like they're bedded by the time the sun's even up right like like they're gone and so yeah we just kind of checked tanks um we heard some bugles we had i had a pretty crazy so I think to, to answer your question, what did I learn? I learned that not everybody has good ethics. I learned that, I mean, I guess it is a draw tag, but it is still public land. And like, there were dudes everywhere. Yeah. But mainly along those road systems. And as soon as you got more than two and a half-ish miles off a road, like you're by yourself. Right. Like the elk weren't messed with. There was no pressure. Like there was nobody else around, but you could hear dudes bugling from the side-by-side. <laughs> And so I shouldn't laugh. I it's not that like, funny, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it, you know, I, I'm a first time hunter and this is all things that I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like you just, okay. Yeah. You um, don't have, that's the interesting thing about that. And you've probably heard people talk about this is you don't have to go 10 miles in or six miles in because like, there's this weird little gap where like the side-by-sides, you know, those guys aren't going very far in, but like, and I guess in the Gila, probably there's people that are, it seems like you get 10 to 12 miles in and it's like every one of your best friends is back there. Cause they all watch Ryan Lampers and they're like, we're going in. And so like, there's this medium ground where it's like the, the super hardcore backpacker guys are going way deep and which there's not that like the heel is not that big when you really like break it down, you know, like, for sure. you know, like you can come in from different sides and you're not that far from a road. And so like, there's that middle ground of like, everyone's in the middle, the backpackers are in the middle. And then like the side-by-side is on the outside. And it's like this buffer zone of like, nobody's hunting. And that's exactly what, what I had found and what I planned is like, you know, when I'm 12 to 15 miles in there, I'm finding horse camps. I'm finding like, wall tent frames you know yeah. like clearly outfitter camps but then like you said in that that buffer zone essentially between like two miles 
and that 10 miles like dude there's no campfire rings there's no like old chalky shed piles <laughs> right like it's just it's just kind of like no man's land like you said the truck guys are going in maybe two miles maybe maybe two and a half or three if they're like on a bull yeah and then the guys who want to go deep are going like deep yeah so well, and that's the thing sense. is like if you're an outfitter like you don't just all the do all the horses like sad get them all saddled get clients on them and then ride for 20 minutes like that doesn't make sense you know and so like in a certain way like they kind of have to go deep because that's the experience that people are paying for they're paying to go on this big horse adventure and if you spent an entire day saddling up and do all this stuff and rode 20 minutes and then we're like all right get out they'd be like what the heck <laughs> It's funny that you say that because we ran into some guys that were outfitting a group of clients on horses and we ran into them at trailhead and like kind of just tried to game plan so we weren't going to be in their way. They would hopefully not be in our way type situation. And they showed us the trail they were going to get to where it was like 12 or 15 miles of trail that they were linking up to give their clients an experience when there's a trailhead like four miles away from where their end zone was, but like it would be a 20 minute ride. Yep. <laughs> you know, like they're just like, no, they're paying to like go on horseback for the whole day. So we're just going to like wind around four miles off the road until we like get to this tank that we're going to hunt. Like, yep. That's, yep. Sounds about right. It was funny. So, man. so you go through first season, he kills a bull. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're like dying to get back to the high country where you know all these elk are, right? So, we go in the day he kills bull. We'd planned to get into a tank that was like three and a half miles off the road, a little bit further than most of the guys that we'd run, run into. Um, and we'd met another dude who just through a turn of events was kind of hunting and he didn't have a tag, but he was glassing with us and ended up kind of hiking with us. And so we go in with the intention to camp, sit a tank that night camp and then sit it in the morning. And I mean, man, it was perfect. Like, we were going, he's hiking a bit slow and he's like, we need to just bomb up this draw to get to that tank. And dude, I was like, you know, check the wind. I'm like, if we go, it's like elk hour. Cause we're moving so slow right now. Like if we just go straight up here and there's already elk in that tank, like they're gone, dude, we're here for nothing. I'm like, let's just take a few more minutes. Let's skirt around this little rise or whatever. And let's drop in from the top. And he was like, okay, cool. Dude, like, I just, I'm just going to say, I felt so cool being like, all right, guide, <laughs> this is what I think we should do. And then he actually listened. <laughs> and uh, so we come in from the top, man, and we're stopping every 50 yards or so. And we're glassing and we see the berm of the tank and we're like coming up to it. And we pull the glass up and there's antler tips coming up over the far side of the berm where we would have just walked right through. <laughs> and, you know, he drops his pack. He's like, hey, just stay back a little ways. I'm going to like run in there and kill this thing. And so, I mean, it it's in the water, it's thrashing mud around, it's like laying down, making all kinds of jumping in circles. It's a six by six, um, probably a 320-ish bull, maybe 330. And I mean, I literally watched him like quite literally run from tree to tree anytime it was like head down or splashing, like just no stealth at all, like just run. And he got to the last bit of cover and I'm kind of glassing him in the bowl. And um, long story short, like he makes, he's a busy dude. He's got kids, they're in sports, all the things. But like, in my opinion, if you draw an elk tag with a bow, you should shoot your bow prior to the season opening. Right. 
Uh, and he hadn't, like literally not a single time. He shot it opening morning at some uh, foam in can, and the first three arrows didn't hit foam from 20 yards. And so I was kind of like, well, we're not going to go hunting until you get this like dialed, right? Because I'm like 3,500 arrows deep in my bow this right, summer. Like I'll right. golf ball at 50 yards. And he's like, no, nah, it should be fine. We're just getting the shakes out. Like, let's roll, you know? And so fast forward <laughs> six days, I see him get within bow range. I see him draw back. And I hear the bow release and I just see a splash like eight feet. Well, okay. So this bull's in the water. I'm hundred yards back behind him. And so I'm elevated a little bit and I can see over the top of the berm. And I see two more smaller bulls coming in that he can't see. Cause he's like kind of in the tank. And so I'm like, Oh my God, this is like the perfect storm. This is so sick. This is elk hunting, right? Like this is badass. Yeah, this is the thing. And these bulls come over, one's a spike, one's a five by five. And uh, the six by six that was in the tank is laying in the water, just in the middle of the tank, gets up, walks further away from my buddy, like out of bow range for anybody, but especially for him, uh, and starts fighting with this five by five. And they start getting after it. No and way. they start pushing each other further into the tank, like deeper back towards my buddy. And I see him, you know, they like get close and finally I see him draw and he shoots and his arrow hits like eight feet behind these two bulls. Like, I mean, not even close. And they kind of stop and just look around. There's ducks in the pond that fly off like, and I'm like, oh, shit. And I can <laughs> see him fumbling and I like see him draw back again and release and it hits and it's bad. Um, uh, shit. And so like, long story short end goal got accomplished for sure like bull down uh seven arrows later holy cow se seven arrows and two and a half hours later um we had yeah, to you... stand there like 30 yards from it and just like watch it till it expired like i had a fixed blade in my hand at one point and i was like should i just go like neck it a few times like and they were like yeah except it might still have enough gas left to like wreck you you know yeah uh, yeah. And so for my first ever, like, hunting anything experience, man, it was rough. Like, yeah, not ideal. I really love animals. I, like, I always have, like, that was a rough one to watch for sure. And so yeah. that kind of, for me, I was like, it's going to be, A, I had more confidence because, like, I feel dialed with my bow. But also, like, it's going to be a good shot or I'm just not going to take a shot. Right. Cause, like, because that sucked. Yeah. And, uh, man, that it's really shitty. It's terrible that he's an outfitter and that happens like should know better. Bad stuff happens. And like, I'm not going to defend this and be like, Oh, you know, that happens. Stuff does happen. It sucks really bad that that was like your first experience. Like it just, that's just not how it should be. Right. Like, and I'm sure, you know, like that's not how it usually goes. Totally. It, yeah. I mean, those, those things happen when you can be a great shot. And I'm not gonna say that happens, but like, you know, something similar or whatever can happen. It just, it's rough, but you definitely got like the, the full experience right in round one, like, yeah, pretty tough. Well, and then to, I mean, to further the first archery experience, um, the night before opener, he and I were out in his side-by-side -side checking cameras that I'd put out and, you know, it's like pushing midnight. It's probably 1130. We're coming back to our camp and there's this, there's this dude, I'm going to be as PC as I can. Cause he might listen to your podcast, but, 
there's this dude who is just by himself and he is struggle bussing to set up like a 15 person wall tent. And so we're driving by and my buddy's like, you know, should we stop and help this dude? And I'm like, <laughs> nope, like <laughs> definitely not, dude. It's almost midnight. We got opener tomorrow. Like, no, I don't. That's his problem. And he's like, but he's got two horses over there. Like if we shoot a bull, that could come in advantageous for us. Right, right. I'm like, all right, man, when you have a point, you have a point, like we'll give him, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. And so we go and we set, we help this dude set up his wall tent and uh, he's a, he's a goofy fella for sure. And we learn that he is a game warden in the state of New Mexico and that he is also out hunting his own tag. He drew a tag. It's his first time ever drawing that tag. Um, so we're like, cool. Yeah. Like got your stuff all set up. Good luck tomorrow. We're out. We roll opening day, super uneventful um and like you said it's just hot man that first archery so like my buddy's ankle was hurting him he's like there's no reason for us to wake up at 4 30 because like these elk aren't like right. they're not even moving like let's just do we'll sit water we'll do an afternoon hunt we'll get up whenever and so we wake up at like i don't know 8 30 you know like wait like we're not even gonna hunt the morning and probably we're like making breakfast probably nine o'clock there's a truck and a trailer bumping down the road and it's the dude from the camp the game warden he's got his horses in the trailer and you know we're like hey how, you know how's your opening day man and he's like wide-eyed excited he's like i shot one dude i shot one and we're like hell yeah congrats like where's it at and he's like oh i gotta go find it and we're like oh shit that doesn't sound good right and so he's showing us photos of it and he's telling the story and i'm Dude, like, I'm not exaggerating at all. He's laughing and joking and saying it's the exact shot that he took that they tell kids in Hunter's Ed to never take. It's like a skylined bull that he didn't know was behind it. Um, it was, I mean, I guess it was before shooting light ended. But, like, based on the photos, I'd be questioning it. Right. As he hits it, he said he took a 46-yard frontal. Which, like, dude, I'm no expert on elk hunting. No, that's not a thing. No, and 46 yard frontal is not a thing. No. Um, and then he's he's shown, he's like, I tracked it for half a mile. He shows us his onyx, it's like 0.5 miles. He showed us blood photos. And dude, it's like, I mean, it's it's a dead elk. Like there are gallons of it, like blood. Like it's an unquestionable like blood trail you just follow. Mm -hmm. And tracked it half a mile, it's dark. In, in hindsight, I think he's just scared of being outside in the dark alone at night. But like, Warden, he's scared to be in the dark? He's also got a sidearm and two horses, but yes. Um, so he backed out, and we ran into him the next morning. And again, dude, I'm no expert elk hunter, but like, I've done enough YouTubing of meat care and hot weather meat care and like New Mexico hunting shit that like, you should be at last blood, like by the time you can even almost see no. Like he should have had right. those horses saddled up by 5 a.m. at the latest. And it's like nine o'clock in the morning and he's rolling down the road and he's still got a couple miles before he even hits the trailhead. And so, yeah. you know, we're like, well, like, we're like, dude, we'll, you know, we'll roll in there and we'll help you find him because we're not hunting this morning anyway. Like, I'd, for me, I'm like, I'd love to help you quarter up a bull just so I have more of an idea of what I'm doing. Right, right. And so he's like, yeah, I'd love some help, whatever. So he rumbles onto the trailhead. We take like another, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes to get stuff together, go down there. He doesn't even have his horses saddled yet. And he's like laughing and joking about having to get out the 
the not the horse packers not bible because he couldn't remember how to strap the packs on his horses he can't even throw and a diamond? he literally got like a thick book on the wheel well of his trailer and i'm like dude you didn't like do a practice run all summer like before <laughs> you shot a bull uh... and so eventually he rolls whatever we drop a pin where we're supposed to meet him we find his horses we spend hours looking for him cow calling doing like purposely bad bugles up into this canyon eventually find him walking back down and he's like i went another 0.6 miles so we're now at like 1.1 miles on consistent blood and he just stopped like blood never ran out trail never got faint he just never found a bull and stopped what like like that's all like that's just that's the story like he just found a bull and stopped or never found a bull and stopped but he didn't he could still see blood dude i yeah like i followed the blood up into that canyon for a while and was like and so he goes on to tell us that he didn't think it was a fatal shot. And I'm like, are we are we seeing the same blood trail, homie? Like, right. dude, what? And that he's going to sit and camp the next day. And if he doesn't see buzzards circling by the end of the day, he's going to continue to hunt his tag. I just want to go on the record and say the first few people you met are not a good representation of elk hunters as a whole. Like, I just like, want to put that out there. Like, I feel like dude, I don't know and, what your opinion is on elk hunters right now, but like, that's pretty <laughs> rare. I just want to say that it would be well, like if, so, if I went rock climbing and I just met the most yahoo people ever. And, you're, and I'm like, you know what? These rock climbing. I mean, people. have you been rock climbing lately? <laughs> yeah. There, there's a reason I'm trying to kind of somewhat switch communities into something a little bit more <laughs> my, my speed. Yeah, maybe it's a bad analogy. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, dude, that's uh, no, I, I, I smell what you're stepping in for sure. I mean, it's just it was. I mean, and this and the list goes on. So like, Derek shoots his bull. That's a gnarly experience. Um, he's also got a broken ankle. So I pack out. He packs out. Tenderloins, back straps, and some neck meat. And the other dude that was hiking with us and I each pack out a front and a rear quarter, and then whatever's left. And then the yeah. next day we'd left all our camp stuff in there. So the next day we go and get the head and camp stuff and like get back out of there. Yeah. Um, but at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, cool, dude. I'm feeling pretty good. Right. So he shoots his bull. He leaves. Um, the guy who helped us pack his bull out was there helping a friend who drew a tag also from out of state, but he just had to, he had to like run some errands essentially in town. And so he'd left for two days. And so he hiked with us while his buddy was gone. So Derek left to get his bull home and his buddy came back. So I hunted with those guys for the rest of first archery season um, from the 6th through the 15th. Every day we sat up on a high ridge, like seven miles deep for three days with bulls just screaming all around below us. Watched them blow a couple stalks from up on the knob. Like We ran out of water, dude. I took like a nine mile round trip hike back to the van and brought us like five gallons of water back. Like, yeah like was just was in it dude like was living yeah. out there just like was was so psyched watch a whole group of bedded elk that these two guys are sneaking in on with like good wind and good scenario and watched an outfitter with two guys on horseback not even know these elk are bedded on the backside of a hill just pop right up on the ridge to glass and just blow everything in the uh, world out of the country <laughs> dang it yeah, but you're so, in it like you were seeing the whole thing like that's so cool that you get to be out there and i've actually told a lot of people this like you know the reason I got to where I am is in the early days, I would spend 30 days in the woods. Like I would hunt every single day. And I, 
you've probably heard me talk about at bats. Like the more at bats you can get, like the more time you spend, like that's, you can't replicate that. You could read every book, you could read every course, you could read everything, but like 30 days in the woods and elk country is a lot. And you, when you compare that to like, so you were 21, like say the average guy goes for seven days. That means you have three years experience to the average person. You know what I mean? Like, so you're three years in right now. That's crazy. And that's, and that was, you know, I've heard you talk about at bats and then uh, the, the buddy that I'd mentioned helped me kind of figure out my draw strategy. That's what he mentioned too. And he, we put in my choices based on, he's like, you know, a lot of people put in where they want to hunt specifically, not where they have a good chance of drawing. And right. he was like, for you as a new hunter, like you just need to be in the woods with the opportunity to hunt. So like right. put in accordingly, like make your first choice, something, you know, you would be stoked on, but then like, you know, temper your expectations, I guess. Well, and and the difference is, is like, you know, I'm going to talk to everyone here, but it's like, everyone goes to go hunt or whatever they do and, and they filter for like big bulls, right? They want to kill big bulls, but it's like you, a lot of those units don't have a ton of elk, right? Like, so you're not getting that sure. many at bat. So I'd much rather go to a unit that, you know, maybe the top of the tier genetics is like a 300 inch bull, but there's, you know, elk everywhere. And I think yep. that you're going to get a lot more experience because, you know, even Colorado guys are like, man, we talk about this all the time, Utah hunts. Like you can go on these Utah hunts and spike only. Yeah, you can only shoot a spike. So people go to Colorado instead where they might be able to shoot a you know a six point, but it's like they yep. don't see a damn elk the whole time they're there. So like you didn't learn anything. And so like some yep. of these Colorado hunts are just tough. You know, like if you can go to a place where, man, you're getting experience. And that's another thing is like, you know, you being with, like you have an interesting, unique situation, but like just the fact that you're able to go on hunts with other people, like that's huge. Like, you know, you're getting that experience firsthand. Like you're getting to see all this stuff. Uh, most people don't get that. It, I mean, it was, yeah, I couldn't have asked for anything. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Like, and so, yeah, we, uh, those guys didn't end up harvesting a bull, um, had a couple of close calls, just didn't work out. And then we, oh, we started, we started off my hunt the first day camping in the trailhead that Derek had shot his bull out of. And talked to some guys that were there that told us that our buddy, our warden buddy who shot a bull in there, or that he'd come back and shot another bull. And he ended up shooting that five by five that my buddy's bull was fighting with. No way. And it got out a quarter and the back straps and the rest boiled. Because he shot it in the afternoon and with two horses and another guy helping him cut it up. He brought out the head first load and then the back straps and a quarter, I think a short, like a front quarter. And then just didn't go back in that night and did the same thing he did when my buddy and I ran into him. It was like 1030 when he hit the trailhead and went in there. And by the time he was back out, it was two o'clock in the afternoon and it was 97 degrees and He'd... meat quarters against hot horses spoiled. Yeah. Weird. Huh? Like Man. surprise. Yeah, that guy needs his bad revoked. That's insane. Like, just for the record, you and I go in there and we shoot a bull at 4 p.m. And it's Dude. six miles in. Like, we shouldn't be any more than that. Like, we're pushing the line right there with just the two of us. We're not stopping until we're done. Like, there's no sleeping. No, like, it's like, coming no... out that night. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care if it takes all daylight, but yeah, it's coming out. Like, that. that's yeah. when it's coming out. Uh, no, 100%. Yeah, because like that's it, yeah, that's just how it's gonna happen. So so that was all just like 
you know, all within the first two weeks of my big game hunting. And I was right, like, wow, right. there's some shady shit going on out here. Like, this is not quite fully what I expected, but all right, like, I'm in it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I, like, we met dudes. And I, another thing that I learned is that I, I think a lot of different people hunt for different reasons. And I think that it seems like based on what I saw, a lot of those reasons are to get away from some aspect of their life. Either they're like annoyed with their job or they're like fighting with their wife, something because there's dudes not even leaving camp till like eight 30 in the morning. And then they'll go and sit literally 200 yards away on a ridge with coffee and throw a couple bugles into a Canyon that has a trailhead at the bottom of it also. Right. And then go back to the camper and drink all day. And like, I guess if it's an over the counter state, that's cool. But like you drew this tag, man. <laughs> right. Like, like this is a, like a tag people would do bad things for like go hunting <laughs> you'd be surprised man like i think like maybe it's like the fact that you learn from the you know the youtube university and podcast so these are like the guys that are in it right like we eat sleep breathe tactics and like hard work right and there's yep. a huge like you have to understand that like i would say 20 years ago it's getting old but like 20 even 20 years ago like this was still a you know good old boys club you go out you set up a wall tent you know do a bunch of drinking and you know there's a side activity of hunting and like that was not that uncommon 20 years ago in 2003 right like that was kind of like for sure starting to shift into like this hardcore way we think about it right but like even then and you know, so like that still definitely exists. I was down there, same place. And like, for sure, you see way more just camps, right? Like there's a bunch of camps and like, there's very, there's definitely levels to this game. And like, when I meet people that are like, oh, you're hunting, like, you know, the, there's levels to the game. Right. And like, I think a lot of, I would say outsiders look at it and they just assume everyone's kind of like that. Like, it's like, oh, we go set up camp and we kind of go hunting. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, like the very hardcore people or whatever. And I think there's like, there's room for it all. Like if, if your entire goal is to buy a hunting tag and go sit in camp and like sit with the boys, that's fine. Please put in for a different unit than I do. That wouldn't be my own request just so you're not eating my tags, but, um, or just don't, you know, like if you're going to put the money towards the industry, great, that's cool. Um, I have nothing sure. against it. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, but I think like, like, yeah, like you just say you have not, yeah, you there's, make it whatever you want it. Totally. Totally. Which is all hobbies, I think. Absolutely. I think you're very, very correct on that. It was just, it was just so interesting for me to see, I guess, just being that New Mexico is somewhat difficult to get tags in. And I, you know, I talked to people at the archery shops all summer that are like, man, I can't believe you got that first go. Like I've been putting in for that tag for the last eight years and I haven't drawn it since my kid was like 10, you know? And yeah, so it's just crazy. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I think you New know, I don't want to. That's really cool. I don't want to pick on New Mexico, but I do think it's the worst of any state I've ever hunted in, as far as that goes. Of like, I remember I drew a six C tag. It was the muzzleloader tag, and like I'm out scouting, putting in a ton of work, wasn't seeing anybody, and like opening day shows up, and like I've never been more like blown away. Like there was so many, so many people, I've never seen so many people, just people road hunting. Right. And like, I'm parked on the, like the end of this road and I was like half off the road. And like, it, I came, as I come back to my truck, it's just nothing but a line of trucks and four wheelers and beer cans, like going Crazy. by my truck. And you're just like, 
what in the, what is happening? And like all the gravel roads, we called it the New Mexico wildflower because there was blood light cans as far as you could see, like every 10 feet. Like it was just like, yeah, this is crazy to me. So New Mexico is probably, probably the worst that I've seen. Well, since, since you've touched on that, and this is not hunting tag related, but it's something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately. I think that it is changing with younger hunting generations, but like I've been a fly fisherman for the last 22 years. I rock climb for the last 17 years. You know, I road bike, I gravel bike, I hot spring chase. Like I'm outside a lot. Right. And man, it's something that I've noticed prior to being a hunter. And it's something I noticed this year as a hunter is that I never see more trash and Coors Light and Bud Light cans along the sides of roads than during hunting season. Like, it's, it's something that, like, just coming from so many different activities that I do, like, it's a noticeable thing. And, like... Well, I mean, this isn't in defense of hunters, but, like, you know, there's a... It's all gathered into, like, a short time. I, I'm sure yeah. that has a big piece of it, right? Like, like you know, hunting season, it gets kind of spread out depending on the state, but by and large, like there's a bunch of rednecks out in the woods, you know, for a very 100%. short period of time. Whereas like, yeah, and I'm not defending it. Like I'm, I know what happens. Like I'll, I know you're hundred percent right. I'm not defending it all. Um, yeah. I hope it changes. I think, think it's changing? I, think that it, I do think it is like, I think that with just younger hunters, like people that are more environmentally conscious and it's less of Kind of like what you mentioned earlier, just like the good old boys redneck club. Like, I think it is changing, um, but it's definitely something that I was like, oh, okay. I haven't just been imagining this for the last, like, right. you know, 10 years or whatever. But I also think that you have a good point. You know, like, it's just the use is more concentrated over like a, you know, what, a two month, maybe two and a half month period. Right, 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 right. Interesting. So you go into, you finish that season, you kind of go into your own season. Are you hunting solo now? Or is like, you got kind of everyone left you now you're by yourself or what? So my buddy came back. He was like, this was the plan. Like the goal was for us to hunt together. He's like, I really want to try to call you in a bull. Um, you know, let's maybe not go 12 miles deep. Like I was set on doing, <laughs> uh, which in hindsight was very good advice. Um, but yeah, so we, we had a, we had a hell of a time like september 1st okay so september 14th the two guys that i was hunting with uh we'd been out and it's past shooting light but we've got two bulls super fired up and so as we're walking back to the truck at the trailhead we're just like bugling as we walk and they're both getting closer one from either like we're on a ridge and one's coming from either side of the drainage and dude like by the time we get back to the truck these bulls are probably at 150 yards behind us <laughs> fighting each other and we can't see them because it's totally dark, but all you can just hear is antlers just smashing together. And yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, I think we should start tomorrow right here. <laughs> and so the next morning, you know, get up early, early, and we're out there. We like throw some locator bugles out, get a response, get on the herd, have, I don't know what happened. Like we had great wind in our face. My buddy and I were both hidden. We weren't moving. We were probably 45 yards from the herd and just couldn't see the bull. And something happened and just like all 15 elk just exploded and just took off out of there. Huh. Like, I don't know if there was somebody else coming maybe from downwind, but like, I don't know. They just disappeared. It was like a stampede out of there. Yeah, elk hunting and happened. So, like we 
pack out. We glassed a bunch of bulls a couple days before in a big open area. So we like pack up, drive to that area, backpack in a few or hike in a few miles, sit till late, hike out in the dark, don't even see or hear an elk. Come back, um, have another day hunting. Eventually I have to like run into town and I'm like, dude, I'm sick of this low country. Like there's just people everywhere and it's hot. Like I'm over it. I'm like, let's go to, you know, the main, what I would assume is like the main outfitter, big trailhead where I've put in a lot of miles. I'm like, even if there's dudes everywhere, I'm like, I know where there will be elk. Like I promise dude, like I, we're going to be an elk, even if there's a hundred people in there. And I've never been so blown away by a trailhead in my life, dude. Like, just like you were saying with your truck just now, like, yeah, I figured there was going to be people and outfitters unquestionably. Like there's only so many trailheads to access the wilderness. And that's a big one. But we get there and there's like 65 trucks <laughs> and like probably 18 to 20, like fifth wheels off to the side. There's like almost 20 horses in the corrals there's every tent spot is taken like it's it was unbelievable it's like nothing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> and my buddy's a a pretty self-proclaimed like grumpy dude yeah. and so immediately he's just like nope like not <laughs> happening and i'm like dude i know like it's worse than i thought it was going to be but like let's just let's spend a day like let's just go in and see what's up and we go in and we talk to some people and we go in and talk to some dudes you know they're full face paint you know head to toe and there's no judging on any brand whatever all my camos <laughs> brand new too so like i get it but like it's it's head to toe brand new qu face paint on and we're like oh man these dudes are doing the thing and uh you know like you guys you guys been in the elk at all and they're like no dude we've been in here for like four days now and haven't even seen or heard an elk and we're like whoa could probably do without the face paint then but like cool man like if you're having a good experience you know it's it's whatever you want to make it and you know he looks at me he's like i told you there's too many people and i'm like no dude like let's just go drop our stuff let's hit this ridge and like let's just go listen until dark and we go sit this ridge and like dude the whole mountain explodes in bugles like i don't know where these kids went but it wasn't the right place and we talked to them and like our trail kind of hits a, a junction that I would say 98% of people swing the left on. And we're like, are there a lot of people out there? And they're like, oh yeah, starting in like a half mile, there's outfitter camps and horses for like the next three miles down this trail. And we're like, okay, so we're going to go like up and we'll just stomp out a campsite somewhere up the drainage. Yeah. And dude, it would worked out great. Like located a bunch of bulls that night, hike down, go up early in the morning, put a stock on a like nice six by six and get like 70 yards from him. And he just disappears. Like, I know this is something that happens, and I know that, like, it's <laughs> talked about, but I've just never experienced it before. Like, we were at a spot where we could see the whole bottom of this drainage that he'd been screaming in. And we get there, and, like, there's just not, a like, a bull in there. Like, <laughs> I don't, it makes no sense. And so we spend the rest of the day chasing some other bugles, and, you know, our camp was, like, four miles in. And we put in, I think, eight miles that day. Like, Buddy's ankle is hurting. Right. That's all, you know, it's burns and it's down timber. It's like, you know, high country stuff. So we come back to camp and he's just over it. And he's like, nope, not doing that again. And I'm like, fair enough, dude. I think I could probably kill a bull in there. But like, you know, we were going to try to do this together. And like, I don't want to just like leave you hanging. And that, you know. Yeah. So we pack out after 
a little bit of drama, but we pack out and we're getting back to the trailhead. And one of the craziest things I've ever seen in the woods, there's a line of 16 fully head shaved, bald monks in brown robes, like straight high hoeing their way into the forest. And some of these dudes have like legitimately have Converse shoes on and like, like not hunting anything like no boots. I don't see any chest harnesses for binos. Like I don't see any camo and they're going into an area that every other drainage has flowing water, like in abundance. And four of these dudes have five gallon metal jerry cans strapped onto the back of their like army surplus packs. No way. And the last dude in the back of the line has like a, a very old looking trad bow. What? They were hunting? That was our thought too. I'm like, holy shit, this dude's got a bow. Like, <laughs> oh, like I definitely have to stop and talk to these people because this is not something you see ever. Right. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, I've been applying for this elk tag for the last like 10 years. Haven't drawn drew this year and like you know the the rest of the monastery brothers or whatever were so excited we just decided to make like a whole trip of it no way. and i'm just like i'm like whoa there's so much scent profile going on right now like is this are a lot of these dudes going to stay in camp and like hang out during the day or are we all hunting in the woods like our 16 dudes gonna be like glassing up elk or looking for elk you know yeah i have so many questions and so he, you know, we talk for a minute and he looks at my bow and he's like, oh, wow. Like very legitimately like, oh, wow. So you guys are compound hunting, huh? <laughs> and my buddy's a bit of a smart ass, you know, and like he looks at the guy and looks at me and looks back at the guy and he's like, well, we're bow hunting. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the guy goes, yeah, but with a compound bow, <laughs> my buddy looks at him and he goes, yeah, man, because like we're really out here actually trying to kill something. <laughs> just, just kind of left it at that and like <laughs> wished him luck and we we're like we got to get out of here there's too many people here yeah yeah when the the congregation shows up it's maybe time to leave so either they probably bumped like every elk out of that whole country or they could have shot like this year's biggest bull that got pulled out of the gila because you know that's just the way that, that would have gone uh, do you know what would have made that story even better? Is it like you saw them coming out and they're all just like carrying a quarter and like it's a giant rack. You'd just be like, huh, okay. <laughs> no way. All right. Yeah. Metal jerry cans. Heard that. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, wild. And so, so we bail out. We sleep that night. We wake up really early the next morning and we drive like 45 minutes to a different trailhead. We leave our camp set up and just drive out there. We hike in and like good sign freshly beat up trees fresh tracks figured most of it's probably from the first archery so they might be a little bit deeper so we like walk in their ways and end up running into a dude who's just like he's creeping around the woods by himself with an arrow knocked and hasn't seen an elk in five days and he's just straight creeping around the woods with an arrow knocked that's what we call a one-on-one um, hunter. Like, just hoping to get lucky, I think. <laughs> I no well, idea. and I guess he said, he said on opening day, he was walking and he bumped a bedded bull. So since opening day, he had just kept an arrow knocked on his bow all day in hopes that he would bump into another bedded bull. Yeah, it might be a few years, but it'll happen again. 
<laughs> I mean, at some point, maybe. Like, people also shoot elk from the road sometimes. So, like, it's nothing's impossible. Yeah, I drive with a uh, a loaded bow, actually. So I just keep one knocked in the truck that way. You know, never know. You just be... You do the best <laughs> things. You just never know. Yeah. You have to be ready all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's something to be said for that. I've listened to plenty of podcasts where, like, you know, you wake up from a nap and your bow's five yards away. Like, something yeah. to be said for that. Yeah. So, dude, it could happen. A crazier thing. <laughs> But so we roll in there and we talk to this guy and he's like, man, I saw that first bull opening day. Haven't heard a bugle since or seen a bull or a cow since. Yeah. And I so did. we're like, like, bummer, you know, but dude, like I'm a new hunter, but I've spent a lot of time in the last 35 years in the woods. Like, like I'm not new to the outdoors right, right. and the tracks and shit that I'm seeing, like they're not, there's no elk in this country tracks. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just walking around the woods with an arrow knocked and you're not finding elk like there's yeah there's elk here but also like you know how much do you try like it's almost better to not talk to hunters because you, you like stop another hunter and you're like hey what have you seen you're like i don't know nothing. if he's yeah well nothing i can tell if you're like not nothing but if he does tell me something, like you know it just either way it could be a lie you have no idea yeah. it's almost better to not have any any data on that point than to be like you know talk to somebody like you just don't know yeah. well so we walked away from that and so throughout the first archery and then at this point all the way up until this point um after say like september 3rd we started asking people what time they're getting out from trailheads and what time they're coming back to camp because we ran into literally no exaggeration we probably talked to over 100 hunters throughout you know the 21 days of hunting that never saw an elk and <laughs> most of them never heard a single bugle and like we didn't have opportunities every day but we were in elk or hearing elk every single day from september 1st through like my hunt and you want to we believe also... that they're like just lying to you and can't figure it out but i have literally watched people drive up i'm i'm glad i'm looking at elk right now to watch them drive up glass you know just stand there glass and then leave i'm like i don't know what they were looking for but apparently it's not the same thing i'm looking at because they yeah yeah and so like you really want to believe that like maybe they're lying to me they said they didn't see anything but like yeah i don't know i mean that was one of my big takeaways this year was like there's a lot of dudes that just aren't hunting what in my opinion is hard and that might be different mm -hmm. than other people's opinion of like hunting hard but um and so we started asking them what time they were hitting the ground in the morning and then coming back to camp and you know dudes are like oh we're leaving the trailhead at seven and like i've got my father-in-law at camp he likes to cook up big dinners and drink beer so we're like back by 7 seven thirty, maybe right you're just like, better oh, off not go like this is yeah you're I'm, missing the only windows you need dude i'm not a morning person like it's a, a re, like i'm a bartender that's generally what i do when i'm in the van traveling is like late night jobs yeah we were up every single morning during my hunt anyway 4 30 like at the trailhead by five walking in pitch black and like bringing mountain house meals even on nights we weren't going to camp but just we could sit out on ridges till 10 30 or 11 and listen yeah and we heard elk every night like always dude like every night yeah but we would you know we, we'd be three and a half or four miles away from the trailhead too right and right. so we go in we talk to this dude he's bumbling around the woods and i'm like you know derek's like if there's no elk we should leave and i'm like let's just go sit man like we like we've already driven here we've already wasted the morning like let's just go sit and hang out 
And so we walk, put in a couple miles, find a nice looking ridge, and there's some big clouds building. And I carry a little tarp, like a little backpacking tarp with me always. And so, dude, it sky opens up for like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Pitch this tarp up. We're super dry. We each take a nap. Wake up to probably 12 to 15 degree temperature change and bulls screaming 360 degrees literally everywhere around us. Like ranging from probably, you know, five, six, seven hundred yards to like, I don't know, like right over there, you know. And so we look at each other. We like, you know, stuff our stuff back in our packs. I grab my bow and we're like, holy shit, like it's go time. And we go and we, I can bugle yeah, like reasonably, like I think I could have killed a bull this year by myself, but I'm very glad to have had my buddy along because he's much okay. better. And, uh, but he's, he's always nervous about like scaring bulls off with his bugle. And I'm like, I know that happens, dude, but I don't know. I'm looking for an experience. That's what I have in my mind. And like, I'd rather have the one bull that wants to play than just like walk around the woods with an arrow knocked for <laughs> 10 days. Fair. You know, so like, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, fucking bust out your bugle tube and scream something at him, dude. Like, he's yelling without provocation. Like, let's see what he's about. And he does, and they get into a thing, and we kind of find him, and there's just a little draw separating us, and there's just not enough time to make a play before it gets dark. And so we drop some pins, bail out of there, drive the hour back to the other trailhead, pack up our stuff, drive back that night, and then pack up with the intent... I guess drive back that night, go in in the morning, try to locate that bull. And he's like 50 yards from where we left him. Oh, no way. Like he's got eight or nine cows and he's like right there where we left him. So we just come in on the correct hillside, get the wind good, kind of come in on his level. It's still early. So the thermals are going down and I find like a decent looking clearing. And I'm like, you know, my buddy's back behind me and I'm like, yeah, dude, start raking, like start bugling. Like I can hear him. Like, I can hear walking, I can see a cow, and dude, he starts bugling, and this elk is coming in on a string. Like, he's pissed, he's raking trees. I mean, as soon as my buddy bugles, he cuts him off, like, he's coming. And I'm, like, stoked, I'm right, like, next to a tree, got an arrow knocked, I've got everything ranged. You know, I promptly forget the range of everything, but I know it's all (laughs) within, like, 35 yards. Right. And, uh, Dude, he's coming. He's literally three steps away from an arrow. Like, I'm like, he's going to take one step. He's going to go behind a bush. I'm going to draw. And then two more steps. And like his shoulder and ribs will be out. And like, I'm going to send it at 32 yards. And I had crept in on like four cows that were bedded that I didn't even see and know were there that were like 15 yards to my left. And got a little swirl, dude. And those cows stood up and took off. And I didn't even turn my head. I like, looked to see what that commotion was and when i looked back there just wasn't a bull there anymore like i never he was doing the slow like you know slow tip the antlers through things like i never heard you know an 800 pound animal like run off i never heard antlers hit trees like he just again was (laughs) fucking gone like vanished and uh you know so i walk back find my buddy and he's like what happened and i'm like I don't really know. Like, I think we just got winded and he took off because the cows did. I'm like, he was right behind a bush at 35. I was going to shoot him when he stepped out. And he's like, why didn't you just shoot through the bush? And in my head, I'm like, dude, because I'm not trying to like have a repeat of round one. But (laughs) I'm like, I just didn't feel good about that shot. 
And uh, so, you know, he's like, well, instead of bumping him and chasing him, like, let's back out. Let's go back to the truck and the van. And let's just, there's three days left in season at this point. And there's bulls all over in here. So we're like, if we can't kill one in here, there's only one other car at the trailhead. And it's that dude. So like, if we can't kill one in here, like we're probably not going to kill one by the time season's over. So let's just commit. Let's pack three days worth of backpacking stuff in here. We'll set up in this little saddle and then we'll see what happens. So we go out, take like, you know, 45 minute nap, pack up stuff, come back in for an evening hunt, drop our stuff under a tree, mark it, and just go and like hit that ridge. And he's like, what do you want to do? Like, you want to go in there? Because there was kind of a, a bench that like five or six fingers all funneled down into. And like, that's kind of where there's rut activity happening he's like do you just want to sneak down in there like what do you want to do and i'm like no dude rip a bugle like let's let's see what we got to deal with and so he rips one and it sounded like there's an elk that we must have walked right past like coming in there that was right behind us somewhere or maybe it was a hunter i don't know and then there was two down in the drainage that we suspected they were in that immediately answered or i guess one was in the drainage one was up on the hillside like right across from us and that sequence of bugles just like started everything off like those two bulls (laughs) started screaming at each other and like non-stop like probably every minute minute and a half one of them would scream right and so we're just silently like bombing down the hillside trying to get in between them somewhere and hit the bottom and we've kind of been like low-key arguing the entire time down this hillside about like which bull like are we going left are we going right when we hit the bottom because like we got to choose one yeah and I'm like looking, I'm like, left is pretty thick and gnarly and not a ton of shooting lanes. I'm like, right, the wind isn't maybe quite as good, but like, I'll be able to see him way further out. And I'm like, let's go right. He's like, cool. And I literally took probably eight, 10 steps to the right. And then the bull off to the left bugled. And he was like, he'd closed the distance significantly. Like he was a couple hundred yards, like 200 yards off. And so I just immediately changed course. I'm like, now let's go after this one. Like he's close (laughs) getting on in the evening. Like, let's just, let's get this thing going. And so we're in the very bottom of this draw and it sounds like the bull is too. And my buddy bugles and he bugles again and he's closer again. And we're like, oh, he's like moving. And so he just stays kind of behind a little knoll and he's thrashing a tree. He's kicking branches off stuff. He's chuckling, he's bugling. And every time that bull is making any kind of sound, like he's raking a tree at one point and I'm just replaying my buddy's hunt and I'm like, run in there and kill him. Yeah. So I've got an arrow knocks, dude. Like I've got my sight dialed back to 20 and I stop next to a tree and I pull up glass and I look and if I don't see brown or antler tips or movement, like next bugle, next raking, next sound, like I'm quite literally running and not in the bottom of the draw, but kind of like up on the side hill a few yards and get to a point where i finally dropped my knees and i look and i can see his legs like from his knees down i can see him coming through some thick stuff like straight towards me and i'm like oh here we go like game is a perfect clearing that i'm like i'm like midway through the clearing kind of up on the side hill and my buddy's like way past like on the back side of it maybe 50 yards or so and uh dude i like you know, everything that I watch on YouTube, I'm like, okay, don't draw too soon. Don't draw too late. Don't stand behind the tree, stand in front of the tree, like just all the things, you know? (laughs) And I range everything anywhere in the clearing is going to be 
between 20 and 30. So like just kind of, you know, point a pin and bury it. And uh, dude, he comes out and right at the last second, I draw my bow and like they seem to do, like he comes out head, antlers and some of neck. And he's looking into this clearing and he just freezes. And my buddy can see me. I didn't know this, but I guess he could see me drawn, but couldn't see the bull. And so he just keeps raking a tree. And man, this bull from 35 yards, 30 yards, something like that, just screams a bugle straight. And I'm standing there. I've got my mask on and there's no cover. Like I'm standing next to a dead, like three and a half or four foot tall tree. Like, and, uh, it's soul shaking, man. Like I've never been so close. Like I felt the hairs on my neck vibrate, you know? And Epic. he bugles and I'm drawn and I'm just sitting there watching him. And he like, you know, here's my buddy. And he starts walking into the opening. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, let him take a few steps. And he's quartered away ever so slightly, but he's basically coming straight for me. Like you could tell he was going to circle around my buddy and try to get wind instead of heading straight to him. Right. And so he's coming straight out. He like clears all of the stuff. And, you know, I, go to close my eye to look in the peep and I can't see anything, dude. Uh... And I have a moment of panic and I'm like, oh my God, my peep twisted. Like something's messed up. <laughs> and thankfully it was like, you know, everything slows down, but like a split second, I just realized like, oh, you're an idiot. You closed your wrong eye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so obviously fix that one real quick, open the correct eye. And dude, I mean, it was, it's crazy. Like I get goosebumps thinking about it right now, but like, just like I've been practicing all summer, like just slowly start pulling back and pull back and pull back and like kind of scared the shit out of me when the bow went off. And I just watched Fletchings like disappear into his chest and ended up shooting him at 26 yards, almost full frontal. Um, but when we cut him up, the arrow had gone straight through his heart into his right lung and then like stopped in the backside of his, his ribs on the right side. Dude, epic. I mean, you know, hit him, he spun, I cow called, and he kind of disappeared behind the, the thick stuff that he'd come out from, and it was like three and a half, maybe four, maybe five seconds, but like, heard a pile up and just saw dust from behind these thick bushes like seconds later. I mean, like, yeah, set my bow on the ground, man, dropped to my knees, like, my buddy comes running up the hill with his bugle in one hand and he's just like, yes. And uh, yeah. was it, like, was the feeling, you know, after watching him fall, that was that feeling what you thought it would be, or was it better? Like what, could you ever imagine what that feeling would be? Like try to describe it for someone like who's never had it. So man, I don't, I don't know. Like I've had a lot of thought about like buck fever or bull fever because I didn't start as a little kid. Like I'm wondering how much of that is developed when you start younger. Right. Because, or maybe, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe whatever, but like when I was drawn, man, I felt rock solid. Like my pins weren't trembling. I didn't feel like my shoulder was dropping. Like I felt like I could have held it for days. Um, but as soon as the trigger went off, Oh dude, like I couldn't have hit a bale of hay at 20 yards. Like I was shaking <laughs> It was the gnarliest adrenaline dump I think I've ever had in my life. Like, because, you know, it's like the moment of panic that every bow hunter experiences when you shoot something is like, shit, 
was it a good shot? And I hope yeah. I can find it. And is yeah. there going to be a blood trail? Right. And so like to have that moment of, you know, I think it was good. It felt good. It was a surprise release. Like I was staring a hole into his chest where I wanted it to go. Like I did all the things I think I should have done. There was like a brief moment of panic, like, you know, an adrenaline dump. And then to hear him crash, like, you know, I started crying for sure. Like, That's yeah, awesome. no, no pride in admitting that. Like I just started crying and was like, you know, we walked up to him and, is the biggest bull I've ever seen in person. So like, cool, dude. That's so cool. What an epic experience, dude. And for it to be 21 days in, like that's, I don't know. To me, that adds to it, man. It adds to like the whole experience. Like you really got the full, full Monty. Right. And then like, hundred percent to have the bull bugle in your face, shoot him as he's like coming in on a string and then to see him fall like that's to me like that's only happened to me a couple times watch him fall and you're like th- like there's just to me like such a relief like there's so much tension and maybe that's because i've lost bulls over the years but it's like there's so much tension and then when you watch him fall you're like oh thank you jesus like you're like just this like wave like of emotion drops you yeah i mean you know i've obviously only hunted elk once but like that was probably the most stressful four or five seconds of my life honestly like (laughs) because i'd put so much into it over the summer and like you know i'd put so much money into building a super sick like lethal bow setup and like making sure that if i got a shot like i know like unquestionably like i'm gonna hit what i'm aiming at yeah and yeah to to have it just to go like that and just have him so close and like like he hadn't even started leaking blood yet by the time we got like there was you know i was like this is all new to me i shot him i see him but like let's try to see if we can find a blood trail just because right. i should try to see if we can find a blood trail right nothing and like there was nothing until we got to him like it hadn't even started to you know pool up yet yeah i gotta jump on i mean we gotta wrap this up but one question i had as you were telling this whole story was what advice would you give yourself going back <laughs> six months you know i always ask this question because usually it's like years but like you know you had a pretty like gnarly just full in-depth you know experience in six months but what advice would you give yourself you know six months prior when you first started this journey oh man that's tough um i would honestly just say like keep going as hard as you feel like you can go without sacrificing other aspects of your life like for me i just i feel like going as hard as i did paid off so much and just came full circle that you know and like we said like you might be able to shoot a bull on the road or out of your truck or out of your tent but like there's always going to be some level and amount of luck that comes into something right like i mean there was one bull during the hunt that it's just you know it's too long of a story but i did pass on because i just wasn't he was a very, you know, his fifth and sixth were like maybe two to three inches. Like he was barely a six, but he wasn't bugling. He was silent. He was bedded. He wouldn't respond. And like, it just wasn't, you know, it's so like, I would say have, like, I would say chase an experience, not the end result. Like, I think that if this bull would have come in and I got winded and then the next two days, I just didn't have any opportunities. Like I would have thought that it was a super successful elk season, even not having harvested an elk because like I did everything I wanted to do, you know, with the exception of shooting an elk at that point, but like had the experience. I put multiple stocks. Like I remember texting 
my buddy up in Montana, the one who told me that bow hunting is like fly fishing. Dude, I text him the morning that I blew my first stock. And I was like, first stock blown successfully. Like now we're, now we're hunting, dude. Like I've yeah, blown yeah. a stock. Now I'm a hunter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, just chase, yeah, chase an experience, not necessarily an outcome. And I think that, you know, I didn't expect to shoot a big bull. I didn't really expect. Like I was going to try real hard and I think I still would have shot a bull, but like, I didn't really expect to shoot a bull period. Right. And so I think that low expectations can lead to like low disappointment versus if you're just like, Oh man, I put in, put in 500 miles on foot. Like I'm going to shoot an elk 100%. Like, and you don't, you're just going to be bummed. Right. Versus Which, like, and you know, that's gets like, I mean, you probably remember me talking about inputs equal outputs. And it's like, if you just focus on doing the right inputs, like you'll, you'll get the outputs. And I don't necessarily, I'm not surprised that you killed a big bull just by the level of inputs that you were applying. So to me, it's like, you know, I don't want to say I expect that result, but it's like, I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, dude, I, yeah, I appreciate it for sure, man. I mean, it's, it's funny. I've had people ask, you know, cause I, I had eyes on elk and even certain bulls, like most of the summer. Right. You know, and everyone's like, oh, with that amount of time spent and miles and game cams, like, had you seen your bull before? Nope. No <laughs> yeah, idea where he came from, dude. Like, giant bull, six by seven. He ended up taping at, like, I think he's 178 and five eighths. 178. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? 378 <laughs> and five eighths. And uh, that's insane. I never saw him on any of the, the waterhole cams, never saw him up in the high country. Like, did you know he was that yeah, big when he was coming in? Or was it just like, holy cow? No. no, I, you know, I've watched videos of like kids shooting antlers and people drilling an antler with a bow. I actually, there's a little <laughs> general store on the way to the Gila that has a bunch of sheds and one of them has a broad head stuck in it. Yeah. Um, I didn't even look at his antlers. I was like, oh yeah, he looks mature. Like that'll do. <laughs> and then just tried to, tried to figure out which eye to use for the peep, man. <laughs> but Dude, you know, the, the whole thing, it's just couldn't have asked for it better the hunt was incredible over the summer i ran into 14 bears like this year i'm obviously putting in for that unit again because i'm real yeah. familiar with it um even if i don't draw in there i'm 100 getting a black bear tag for the fall because you know i ran into 14 bears last fall i ran into two cats over the summer one mexican gray wolf and then the night of the pack out um or the first half of the pack out on my bull uh, we got followed for probably half a mile by two mountain lions, like just out of headlamp light at maybe 35 yards or something. Dang. We what threw, an adventure. threw probably 40 or 50 rocks at them and they'd, <laughs> you'd see their eyes look away and they'd watch the rocks roll by and then look back up. They never ran. They never like skittered away. We yelled at them, like didn't yeah, have a sidearm at wild. the time. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just, dude, it was everything I could have hoped for for my first like hunting experience in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got every aspect of it, dude. What a cool story. Well, I, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Um, dude, what Thank a cool you for story. Having me. No, I mean, they, this is one of the cooler elk podcasts. I love doing shows like this. So I, I probably got more out of it than you did. So, uh, makes me stoked, but like, and then the fact that you kill a giant, like that's so cool to me. Like you put in the work and it, it came together, man. I mean, you know, that said, like I, if I don't draw this year, like I'm probably trying to move up to either Montana or Idaho. I lived in Idaho for a handful of years um, before I moved into the van. And so I'll, I'll try to be doing the over the counter thing, but like in reference to what you mentioned at the beginning, dude, I would happily still shoot a 320, <laughs> 310. Like I'm not spoiled at all. Like 
it's almost a relief because I don't feel like I have to go and like chase the big bulls. Like, right. don't get me wrong, I'm going to, but yeah, you know, but I, I won't feel like, you know, that's like a thing to aspire to because, like, I had an experience and I shot a big bull, and if I find a bigger one someday, awesome. <laughs> and dude, if I don't, like, I'm just I just want to be out elk hunting with my bow. Yeah, good for you. Good for you, man. Uh, well, congrats and like best of luck. Uh, we'll have to keep up, keep in touch for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, man, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. Glad we got the uh, technical difficulties sorted <laughs> out and uh, look forward to listening to many more good podcasts. All right, buddy. We well, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks again. Later. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and share it with one of your hunting buddies. Also, if you want a free hunt planner, be sure to go check the link in the show notes. It's 100% free. You can download our hunt planning tool, which is a great resource for kind of keeping track of all of your hunts, your hunt plans, your points, all those things. Pretty great resource. Go check it out. Links in the show notes, or you can check our website, www.elkhunt201.com. 